Our lectionary reading today returns to events that precede Jesus' death and resurrection. The dialogue is a response to questions, mounting questions, about Jesus' identity originating from his act of healing a blind man on the Sabbath. Jesus' words and actions have become a threat to the religious leaders who question him, and Jesus responds to the investigation with familiar statements about who he is. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate for the sheep. Some amount of time passes before today's reading when he is asked directly if he is the Messiah, and once more he evokes the metaphor of the good shepherd. Hear now these words from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. At the time the festival of de the dedication took place in Jerusalem, it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. May God bless the hearing of God's holy word. Please pray with me. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is co proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Today's message, A Theology of Sheep, is the third in an accidental trilogy which follows Bill Evertsberg's A Theology of Cats and Katie Lancaster's A Theology of Frogs, among others. When I was 11 years old, my father brought me two sheep to raise for the 4-H fair. After brief instructions about how to feed and care for them, my father gave me the advice, don't get attached. And being the ever-obedient child, I responded by quickly naming them Fluffy and Frisky. Fluffy and Frisky were my comfort and my companions for a school year during a year and a time when my parents were separating. And by coincidence, the lambs' names matched their personalities. Fluffy was larger and woollier, and Frisky had a mind of his own. He was the one who escaped my arms in the blue ribbon round of the fair, and I stood helplessly in the middle of the arena while several farmer fathers tried desperately to corral him. Sheep or shepherds are mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible, often as a metaphor for God's relationship with humanity. Sheep have the unflattering reputation of being hapless followers, with no mind of their own, in constant need of rescue. However, research on their memory and behavior offers a different perspective. These creatures are capable of solving complex mazes and bypassing devices designed to keep sheep out of people's yards and garden. I can assure you that there is a delightful afternoon's worth of YouTube videos showing the different ways that sheep leap and sidestep and even roll over cattle guards designed to keep them out. My Frisky was definitely one of those types of sheep. 
Sheep are also gifted with excellent memories. Some studies show that they can remember the faces of humans and fellow sheep for up to two years. What sheep do not have, however, is the ability to fight off predators. Flocking or fleeing are their primary means of defense. In Jesus' words from today's reading, we infer that sheep are known to have the ability to recognize human voices, especially one of a good shepherd, the voice which leads to the green pastures and still waters sung of in Psalm 23, places of safety and care. At the same time that I was caring for my sheep companions, I began to raise questions about Bible passages, perhaps like this one. I bristled at being compared to an animal with a reputation for a lack of intelligence. And even more concerning for me were verses that seemed to exclude people from community. You do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. At first reading, Jesus seems to reject those who have questions or doubts. As a science-loving kid, I had plenty of questions and doubts about the miracles Jesus performed, but I kept them to myself because living in a small town, I fear that asking too many questions might make me stand out more than I already believed that I did. Who am I? Who is God? What community do I belong to? Questions of identity and inclusion often arise during life transitions. They might come up for middle schoolers whose minds develop complex reasoning skills seemingly overnight. They arise for teenagers who are preparing for life after high school. They arise for young adults entering the world of work, and they might arise for those of any age in the process of coming out, especially if they have heard the Bible's words used to condemn. Deep questions emerge around the decision to become a parent or not. They arise when we reach midlife, however you might define that. Retirement, job changes, is there anyone among us who has not wondered who we are and whose we are at one point or another? In this beautiful and messy life, how often do we insist of God, like the religious leaders in today's text, tell us plainly we want to know the answers to our deepest questions? When I became a parent, the unresolved Questions of my adolescence about identity and community reappeared, but in a new form. I both loved and was challenged by motherhood. There were countless decisions on everything from what to eat to what potty training method to use. There were parenting advice to follow. It all seemed like an endless test. Yet there was no feedback on whether I was getting it right. Despite the questions and doubts about faith that had lingered since childhood, our young family found our way back to church. And over the years, my husband and I served on just about every board and committee that can exist within a church, and we offered countless hours to mission and outreach, often with our girls in tow. Like a mama sheep, I once knew the, the cry of my daughter's far-off voice when she broke her nose running down the hallway during a church board meeting. The same desire to work for justice on behalf of children that had led me to pursue my early career in education and my master's degree from Northwestern so that I might improve urban classrooms. That desire transformed into an unrelenting urge, an unrelenting inner voice telling me that there was something that I was supposed to be doing. 
The challenge was that I could not discern what the something was. When I found the courage to share my experience of this unrelenting voice, this deep urge and this deep yearning, I did it in a prayer group in an effort to find support and guidance. And I was told more than one time, you're a mom, that's enough. And this statement left me feeling both frustrated about my inability to hear what God was calling, to do, calling me to do, and guilty that my identity was complex and multifaceted, expanding beyond the role of mother, which I dearly loved. Though I was heavily involved in our church community, I often felt alone. I feared that my doubts and my questions were just too much. I longed for community. Raymond Carver's poem, Late Fragment, resonates with the universal human desire to be known, to have purpose, and to be in relationship with one another in just six short lines. And did you get what you wanted from this life even so? He writes, I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved, to feel myself beloved on the earth. A theology of sheep is a relational one. The assurance of being known and loved and called by the good shepherd is located in the second half of today's reading, after the questions, the doubts, the investigation, the disbelief, after the verse that seems to exclude, which I now believe must have come from a place of exasperation, Jesus having to explain once again that he is the good shepherd. In these later verses, we find grace abundant. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. John's gospel speaks to the heart of our most question, pressing questions about identity and answers with abundant life found in relationship with God and with one another. Scholars believe that the Gospel of John was written 40 or more years after Jesus' death at a time of conflict between and among Jewish communities and amidst controversy around Jesus' identity as the Messiah. John's Gospel is written for a community that knows estrangement, exclusion, and division. And regrettably, this text, which is meant to shape a new community, has been used for exactly the opposite through a dramatic plot device that pits, quotes, pits, quote, the Jews against Jesus has been misused as a justification for anti-Semitism, and we must reject and resist such harmful interpretations in a polarized society in which incidents of hate crime are on the rise. For John's audience and for us living today in a polarized and uncertain world, Christ assures those who recognize and follow him that he is the source of eternal life, not just life after death, but life abundant in community with God and one another here and now. Abundant life might be described, as one commentator put it, purposeful vocation that serves the common good, participation in, ecclesi in an ecclesial community, delight in sustaining relationships and a sense of security in Christ no matter what comes.
The origins of Mother's Day can be traced to just such an understanding of abundant life that includes vocation, community, and the common good. Anne Reeves Jarvis created Mother's Day work clubs to teach local women how to care for their children. And the relational nature of these clubs became a unifying force during a time when the United States was divided by the Civil War. Since that time, other women leaders have set aside Mother's Days to work for the common good, to, to promote peace, to bring awareness to the needs of children, and to promote equal rights. On this Mother's Day, we, may we be reminded to act and pray on behalf of women around the world who are in need of refuge, health care, safety, justice, and community. Perhaps you are wondering how a once young mother who raised sheep named Fluffy and Frisky who wrestled with a multitude of doubts and questions but was also convinced she had a purpose found her way to this pulpit. While serving as a children's minister at a local church, a friend suggested that I should go to seminary and I had to stifle my laugh as I politely said, no thank you, because I believed that seminary was only for elders or pastors and that didn't seem to be who I was. And just a few days later, I was having lunch with a clergy candidate who told me about the call of the deacon, which is often described as being a bridge between the church and the world. Hers was a ministry of justice and compassion grounded in faith. Driving away from the restaurant that day, the connection between my faith and the unrelenting voice urging me to seek justice for children fit together in a sudden realization, I'm a deacon. Since that day of claiming my identity more than six years ago, I've completed numerous papers, interviews, fitness tests, tests, and other clergy candidate requirements, including studying at Garrett Seminary down the road in Evanston. I did all of this often while juggling the demands of parenting two wonderful teenage daughters. This June, I will be commissioned, which is provisionally ordained as a deacon in a denomination which is desperately in need of inclusive and affirming voices. Here at Kenilworth Union, I am privileged to live into my call, leading ministries of faith formation that nurture followers of Christ who know God, who love God, and seek God's kingdom of justice and peace. I experience the richness and fullness of life abundant each day as we work together to reimagine a new era of children's ministry, one that welcomes wonder and questions, one that equips families to practice faith, all while remaining grounded in the rich tradition of this church and rooted in community with one another and with Christ. Each day, I experience the joy of responding to the Good Shepherd's voice. Rachel Held Evans, a Christian writer and kindred questioner who passed away last week, had this to say about a theology of sheep. For all of our lofty ruminations about God, for all the symphonies and theologies and liturgies for the divine, I have yet to find a more profound expression of God's nature than one that begins, once upon a time, there was a shepherd and a lost sheep. 
Whatever part of the shepherd's story we find ourselves in today, may we know our identity as beloved and called persons. May we find our flock in communities of faith, and may we know and answer the call of Christ's voice. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.